the swag out them boss. And welcome to another episode of the Sotorio and Geek Podcast, my website style, where we talk about bow ties, comic books, and everything in between. I'm your host, Webster Style, the man, the voice, the fragrance. Now, what are you playing? Because we're going to jump into the download. This week's download, I actually switched it up because I had another game that I was looking at earlier, but then I started to go into Game Pass, and there was a game that I've been meaning to play. That I just haven't, and then I ended up downloading it. Actually, I did it through Cloud Play. Long story short, I started playing it, and it was just as good as I thought it would be. And that game is Narita Boy, and Narita Boy is a 2021 action platformer that is developed by Studio Coda and published by Team 17. And apparently, this game began life as a Kickstarter game, I believe back in 2018 or so so it was very much a fan funded fan um championed game so it it was no surprise that once i started playing it that when i found out that information that i realized why it was so good now it is an action platformer that follows the hero narita boy as he tries to save the digital kingdom from the stallions now this game is a 2D platformer, has Metroidvania elements, so we're getting a lot of that nowadays when it comes to gaming. As the player explores the digital kingdom, using the abilities to travel across the levels to find techno keys. Now these keys not only unlock new areas, but also the lost memories of the creator. So in the beginning of the game, you get this whole interaction with the digital world and the creator of the world, the creator, and you also get this young man who plays this game who is then sucked in to become the savior or the Narita boy. So you get a very Tron-like atmosphere uh, to the basic setup of the game. Now, more importantly, it looks great. Uh, it's very 80s retro style in, in not only its story, because obviously you're talking about Tron inspirations there, uh, but also in its motif. It's very pixelated, but it's very stylized and very detailed at the same time. But more important than that is the actual gameplay. And the gameplay is really just phenomenal. Uh, the jumping mechanics are great. It's not real floaty. The responsiveness of the controls is really tight and the music is just really great it's very uh, much like an 80s sort of synth punk uh, sort of vibe and it may be a bit off in my musical genres but you get the basic idea it's a really awesome game to play and it's available for all platforms and i believe it retails for about 24.99 um, if you have game pass and you want to purchase it it retails for 19.99 find on steam switch ps4 5 i I definitely recommend uh, this game if you're into action platformers especially if you're a uh, child of the 80s or fan of sort of 80s motifs and genres it's definitely a game that i think you will love playing through now our podcast spotlight goes to the life of a gentleman podcast this is a podcast i have been listening to for a while a couple years ago it was kind of sporadic and it really focused more on the entrepreneurship aspect not just of uh, fashion but of business uh, especially with rich and anton who are the um, hosts of the podcast are also the proprietors 
of Harrison Blake Men's Apparel, and they have a really great subscription service if you have not heard of them. They also do custom suits and shoes and things of that nature. Uh, but the podcast originally was very much about uh, entrepreneurship, and they talked to different entrepreneurs from around the country. Uh, I'll give you the full synopsis right now. The Life of a Gentleman uh, podcast provides, a practical, provides practical advice for aspiring entrepreneurs. Each week, Anton and Rich speak with entrepreneurs and content creators to learn how to get started, increase sales, and grow your social media. Their goal is to inspire and motivate you to be the best you possible. If you love entrepreneurship, motivation, and are ready to level up your business, the Life of a Gentleman podcast is one for you. In addition to entrepreneurship, a lot of things they branch into lately is more of the focus on male style and lifestyle as far as wearing a lapel pin you know how your shoots suit should be what types of shoes to wear i really appreciate that especially when they have um, opposing viewpoints of various subjects so i really like that aspect of the podcast and how it has evolved from just the entrepreneurial aspect but also to the full-blown uh fashion men's style aspect especially utilizing their experience as custom tailors as well and what their interactions with customers have been like customers um, viewpoints on certain things and even their own personal preferences as far as fashion and style so i really think this is a podcast that you will definitely enjoy and this is the life of a gentleman podcast now let's get into the short takes and the short takes are going to be short this week uh, even though there are probably some other things that I could talk about, but I think I'm going to hold off on some things until next week. And you know what I'm talking about when you listen to this recording. The first one I want to talk about is All of Us Are Dead. Now, this is a new zombie series coming to Netflix. I believe it's Korean I'm, or South Korean. I'm not entirely sure. A lot of the good uh, Asian zombie movies have in zombie genres medium have been coming out of South Korea lately so I'm assuming that if I'm not correct me if I'm wrong and basically it is um, students are trapped in a high school doing a zombie outbreak and just from watching the trailer it reminded me a lot of High School of the Dead which is an anime I'm assuming it's based on the manga as well but uh, High School of the Dead was only one season and I it really sucked because I really enjoyed it and the fact that it was only one season was only one season I was very disappointed in that but it's just something about the way that the uh, Asian brothers and sisters are doing zombie films in the past couple of years uh, that movie that series Kingdom came out also Train to Busan and then it's sequel Peninsula and there's another one that's on Netflix alone they are really doing a lot of innovative storytelling within the zombie genre so I'm really excited about All of Us is Dead excuse me All of Us are Dead and then on the side note Netflix is raising their prices again like come on man like really they are really the reason I don't have HBO Max is because I refuse to pay that $14.99 and now Netflix is raising their mid-tier from $13.99 to $15.50 I'm seriously considering dropping Netflix because I don't watch it enough to be garnering a price tag of $15.50 every single month going forward 
let me know if this latest price hike is going to make you seriously reconsider Netflix as an option for your streaming entertainment. Let me know. Email me info at WebsterStyleMagazine.com. Now, the next short take is going to be talking about, oddly enough, a movie that's on HBO Max. And this is a uh, trailer I've seen several times before I actually watched it all the way through. And this is a movie entitled Kimmy starring Zoe Kravitz. So it's set in present-day Seattle amidst COVID and the lockdowns and everything where an agoraphobic tech worker. It's good that she's agoraphobic during COVID. Life was sweet for her. Discovers evidence of a violent crime while reviewing a data stream and is met with resistance and bureaucracy as she retires, excuse me, tries reporting it to her company. Uh, I thought this was coming out in the theaters, but it apparently is coming straight to HBO Max on February 10th of this year. Now, nothing about this trailer of this movie interests me. I've actually watched it a couple times to try to get the gist of it. It reminds me of too many movies that have come out in the past just with a modern twist. I get uh, very much shades of uh, Rear Window. I get shades of Eagle Eye. I get shades of Enemy of the State as well, as well as The Net. There's so many different movies that have touched on this subject in the past 50 years. So it doesn't really come across to me as anything new. It doesn't seem like it really adds any new to that dynamic that we've seen time and time again in movies and also and, and i may get some hate for this there is nothing about zoe kravitz that says leading lady to me i've not seen anything of hers not saying she's a horrible actress but personally speaking for me there's nothing about her and her screen presence that says i want to see a movie that is led by her i've seen plenty of movies where she's a co-star co-lead and she did just fine but for her to be playing this character especially the way the trailers are set up there's nothing about it that says i need to see this movie because she is that lead um i think that you could have gotten anybody else or a myriad of actresses of all different nationalities to play this role and i think it probably given been given a bit more screen presence a bit more weight to the character at least based on the trailers watching the movie may be something totally different but the trailers for me don't really say that hey i need to see this because zoe kravitz is in it now conversely you're watching trailers for the batman which is coming out soon and she looks absolutely amazing she looks like she carries a whole lot of weight in this movie to be a secondary character and Yes, she's playing a very iconic character, a new interpretation of the character, but it's all in the actor and the performance. And just based on the trailers of those movies, I want to see her in this movie in this role. Like the way she plays this role in, in the Batman, at least from the trailers, and I'm hoping that the movie pans out the same way. This is a character and an interpretation of Batman, Batwoman, excuse me, Catwoman, that could lead their own movie. And that's Zoe could do this if it's as good as I think it is. So that's a, not a, I'm hating on her and her acting ability is that this role from the trailers does not say to me that I want to see her in this role. It's not compelling whatsoever. So those are my short takes for the week. And let's get into the long box. Now, it's weird. I cut out the long box last week. I had this one book all set up 
And then at the last minute, literally before I started recording, I'm like, no, let me change it because this book goes more in line with my last long box when I talk about the whole Extinction Agenda uh, storyline. And this book in particular is X Factor number 72. That's the first one of X Factor. And you're going to have uh, writers, the writer Peter David, the artist Larry Stroman. So this is the second issue of the new X Factor that came into play after the events of Extinction Agenda, uh, where you have this new sort of government run or yeah government run x-factor they take the place of freedom force it's almost like a we're sorry to the x-men with regards to how they handle the genosis situation uh the newly returned havoc is back with polaris and then you get the introduction or reintroductions of characters like guido and or ak strong guy mandrox quicksilver is back in the fold wolvesbane is now with this group as well and they're working with the government on behalf of the government in regards to mutant affairs and i'm not going to go so much into the story because it sets up a storyline where mandrox the multiple man one of his characters or multiples has been killed and he's not able to reabsorb them so he starts questioning okay do these multiples have a life you know are they something outside of myself so there's more of a uh existential uh questioning there of his own mutant ability and also more importantly you have in the background is revealed and someone wants to kill x-factor and you don't know exactly why or who and that's something that's played out in later issues but i want to come back to the fact that this is this is something that i truly missed on when i was a child this is what november is 1991 uh so i was 11 12 years old at time yeah 11 um yeah something like that anyway 11 years old at the time 12 years old at the time and i was very much used to the detailed frenetic um art styles of uh the image boys that left marvel uh, particularly mcfarlane jim lee um in this case wireless potassio was um joint x-factor no bugdanov and then yeah i don't know it's weird anywho larry shulman's artwork really put me off back in it like i thought his art was complete trash in comparison to those books that i really held on a pedestal when it came to what a comic book was supposed to look like and now my 43 year old self is kicking myself because i missed out on something really so great i have really fallen in love with Strowman's art and his storytelling over the past five years ago so i went back to revisit it which reminds me i need to find him his image book he did tribe because i'm sure that's really awesome because he wrote and drew that one but i love the way the Strowman his panel work is really meticulous and expressive um, and abstract all at the same time so i really love the way he depicts the characters i really love especially that time his style was a total reinterpretation of these classic characters i think um before this everyone before extinction agenda especially with characters like wolvesbane and particularly havoc and polaris they had been very much status quo for the past 15 20 years as far as character designs and everything so if i remember correctly and correct me if i'm wrong this was probably the first especially with havoc the first major redesign for this character in a decade plus uh so with that 
they really he and peter david really put their own stamp on this book to make it different from the core x-men titles at the time you know at this time after extinction agenda yet x-force popping off uh doing their own thing uh you had uncanny x-men as well pretty much being the status quo book uh so you had those three main books at the time and x-factor really was a different style and a different story um, compared to the other three so if you have the chance really go back and look at especially that initial uh peter david larry Shulman run of x factor it started with issue 71 but i'm covering issue 72 here which is really indicative of that run uh, i really think that that is a, a run that is often overlooked by just comic fans in general but specifically x-men fans because that really was a great run i've read other books after that on the marvel unlimited app this 71 is actually one i picked up a physical copy of during christmas break so it's one that if you are into x-men books especially that period from the 90s where you had so many great stories being told and the crossovers are very uh unique and close-knit as well i feel like and especially after house of m a lot of the crossovers really got a bit unwieldy because there's so many x titles even now they're relaunching after the hickman run and there's so many x titles in this cross it can be very hard to follow and keep up with so that is my long box review of x factor number 72 uh from the first iteration of the series 1991 artist uh larry strowman writer peter david and we're going to take a break and come back with some reviews some tech talk hidden gems and of course the fragrance of the week and we're back from the break and what a break it was. Since the first part of this episode, we've had breaking news that Microsoft has gone into negotiations to acquire Activision for $6.87 billion. So that means if everything shakes out, which will be in about a year, they're talking about the end of June, which would be their fiscal year for 2022. Uh, they will own Call of Duty, Warcraft, Starcraft, Spyro. Um, man, there are too many properties to name. And their studio count will balloon up to, I believe, is either 35 or 36. And since the news has come out, Stony, Sony's stock price has tanked. They lost $20 billion in possible speculation of Call of Duty, which is one of the biggest money makers for sony and the playstation actually will possibly be pulled from the platform and they actually put out a release phil spencer did basically stating that call of duty was going to remain on playstation now of course they're going to honor all existing contracts just like they did with the bethesda deal so which saw um death loop and uh ghostwire tokyo uh go to playstation 5 first because of that already contracted exclusivity deal so whatever deal they have with activision theirs and sony will remain in place until that contract is done so my question is regardless if it's a five-year deal ten-year deal there's going to be a point in time when those games are no longer on playstation but more importantly when Microsoft acquires them, that means Call of Duty is going to be in Game Pass day and date. Any game that Activision publishes on console and maybe even PC are going to be in Game Pass day and date. 
that is humongous from the standpoint of access. And that's one of the main things that articulated in the press release was really giving a wide amount of players access to these games. So it would be really interesting to see uh, how this really shakes up, not just over the next 12 months, but really, I say, over the next two to three years as we get into the middle of this current console generation it's becoming like the wild wild west out here as far as gaming is concerned and whoever pulls that trigger fast enough to buy up platforms and studios seems like that's going to be the one that necessarily wins but is able to make the most impact in the gaming industry so it's going to be very interesting to see what microsoft does with activision blizzard especially once everything settles and if because it still has to go through a regulatory review if the merger itself is approved so now that the breaking news is over let's get to some of our reviews really not really long reviews they should have been part of short takes but you know how it goes sometimes so the trailer for moon knight was released the disney plus series which is coming out in march so we only have a few months to look forward to it and it looks really good i think oscar isaacs is a very good actor and then they have ethan hawk is the main villain and it just looks really good i am not that familiar with moon knight he's a character i've seen in books over the years but i have never actually read any of his titles i know the character self mark specter uh split personality disorder uh, i know there's some aspects of egyptology when it comes to uh, his character as well and many often equate Moon Knight to being kind of Marvel's analog to Batman as far as how he operates and I think Mark Spector is also maybe not a billionaire but rich as well you don't get that from the trailer that they uh put out but it's very has very spooky and creepy vibes as well i'm i think this is going to be something new for the mcu which is one of the reasons why i'm really excited about it and with oscar isaac's take just from the trailer it really looks like he put his heart and soul into this role and Usually when actors and actresses do that, you're going to get something really good at the end of it. Even if the show itself isn't amazing, he looks like he's really going to put everything into this role. So I'm really looking forward to it just to watch him in this role um, by itself or by himself. But even thinking overall the MCU to see what sort of different nuances and corners of the MCU that moon knight brings about because much of the talk and the rumor is that moon knight brings more of the supernatural element into the mcu and um, that would really pave the way for things like werewolf by night which they've talked about as well as blade as well which we know is coming uh with mahershala ali as a star in a couple years so it's going to be a very good look into the hopefully underside of the marvel universe where it's not all glitz and glamour and superheroes and patriotisms and world uh cataclysmic almost world ending events i'm really looking forward to moon knight as well as all the other series that are coming out this year i think she hawks coming out this year which i'm really looking forward to with tantiana uh maslahi uh, maslani and um also miss marvel is supposed to be coming out but i think that's until the end of the year now but moon knight is kicking off this next wave of phase four uh, tv series so i am very very excited and let's keep on our superhero kick with 
Naomi. Now, Naomi is a show on the CW, which is based on a uh, DC property. It is exactly pr produced by Ava uh, DuVernay, who did Selma, who did A Wrinkle in Time, a uh, very acclaimed actor. She was working on the DC New Gods movie before get, that got shelved. And she's taking this property of this young woman, young lady, teenager, and she gets superpowers, don't know how. Uh, in this world where Superman exists or doesn't exist, I'm not too sure. So it's not in the Arrowverse, but it's still the DC Universe or another, uh, another Earth, what have you. And I watched the first episode, and much as I, as much as I talked about the trailer and the short takes a few weeks ago, I get the same sort of vibe. It's, in my opinion, it's okay. And this is why I say this show is not for me. And let me tell you why. It's not that it wasn't someone enjoyable. It's not that the characters weren't engaging. I thought the main actors did well. I thought, in general, what they were setting up was interesting. I see this as a superhero show more for young women and as young people in general because of the stories and the main character and what that young lady is going to go through um, during the course of this. Now, like I said, I've only watched the first episode, but my impression of this this series is not for me, and that's okay. That That is absolutely okay. They're going to be TV series that just, just don't appeal to you because you don't fit that demographic that they're possibly trying to hit, and I think that's one reason why they picked Naomi as one of the shows, and also it's been announced that, um, and I forget the gentleman who plays Dingle, who played Dingle on Arrow, is coming back for a new show in the Arrowverse, but it's like um, Justice You, where he's kind of the steward or guardian of five younger metahumans. I believe they're either teenage or college age. So they're definitely skewing to that younger demographic with the new superhero shows they're putting on the air now. And I think also that's a reflection of, you know, what some of the things that have been successful on the CW in recent years, particularly things like Riverdale and even All American. Those are very teen oriented, teen centric shows with their main characters and plot lines and so on and so forth so nothing bad about naomi from a show standpoint it's just one of those shows that this isn't a show i'll go back to it's 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 not a show that i'm going to be interested in going back to because it, it just doesn't speak to me as a consumer it speaks to me as a blurred but is if i'm going to spend my precious time watching um, hours of television any given week with the multitude of choices. There's nothing about this show that says I should watch this show over some of the other shows that I will religiously watch, which, if you listen to this podcast, aren't that many um, in any given week, whether it's the day comes on or through the CW app. So that's my take on Naomi. I would say give it a try. You may like it. It is not a bad show. It's not a bad show at all. It's actually uh, pretty good from the setup and premise. Special effects so far are really good. The cast is really good as well. It's just not a show that appeals to this old man. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not the intended audience or I'm not as young as heart as I think that I am. So that's my take on Moon Knight now, let's get into a hidden gem. And this hidden gem is going to show my age even, even more than what it is. So my hidden gem for this week is a, a classic sci-fi movie called Day of the Triffids. And this is actually based on a book by John Wyndham, which is, this book is probably the biggest examples of 
uh, modern British sci-fi in the 20th century. I mean, it's it's one of those books that has been uh, redone and redone um, over and over again um, because it is such a seminal piece of British sci-fi. And the original movies from 1963 in the movie, you have an astrological event, yeah, astrological event where meteors hit the earth. Uh, these meteors then blind a lot of the population of the earth. And from these meteors emerge the triffids, which are these giant carnivorous plants. So you have this story where much of the planet are easy pickings because they're blind uh, for these plants pretty much to just devour, reproduce, and take over. So the crux of the story is you have people who have sites who are trying to band together to live but then also protect themselves from the triffids. And it's interesting because if you watch this movie, it is it is like a zombie movie before zombie movies or at least the modern day zombie movie of of what we know today uh i would say this is that you go into the woods and you make a sound and all of a sudden the zombies there. that's how data triffids is or you know you are thinking you're safe inside of a house and all of a sudden the zombies come busting in because you didn't board up the wind things like that happen in this movie so i never thought about until now as such a precursor to the modern zombie trope with how the triffids move they were very slow moving uh, but they were detectable. They could possibly be avoided, but in large numbers, you were dead. They, in this case, the triffids also have poison stingers, which can sting and immobilize their prey, which obviously makes them a lot easier to eat. So I think that the original movie is is really awesome. Um, I would say as well, if you are not a fan of sort of the original movie, it's 1963. I think the special effects in uh, that movie are really phenomenal for the time really gruesome to a degree especially the way the triffids look there they are terrifying monsters not so much like an Audrey uh, 2 with teeth from Little Chop of Horrors but if you come up against one of these you do not want to be eaten by it. you'll be deathly afraid of it and then you also have i believe it was a 1981 remake and this was a tv series that aired on the bbc i like the drama of this one better and also they would stress the story out uh, a bit more i hate the design of the triffids though because they look like walking calla lilies so they weren't really that scary or imposing but i like the fact that at least in the updated version and i'm not sure if the origin of the triffids in the updated 81 as well as i believe it was i want to say early mid 2000s they did another remake and this had um uh jason Priestley. i want to say eddie izzard i'm not sure as well oh doug scott ray that's what i was thinking doug scott ray was the main star and this remake as well as the one from the early 80s eutrophus were actually genetically engineered um from a plant that was found in the rainforest and humanity have been able to harness the oils from these genetically engineered plants to replace fossil fuels. So these triffids have become our main source of energy. And then in those stories, the comets came down and blinded everyone except for very few people. And you had the same sort of story play out again. And in the remake from the mid 2000s the triffids were a bit more mobile you had some really janky cgi uh but the story the premise was was, was the same but I, I would really say if you're interested 
watch the original movie from 1963 it's pretty much everywhere it's it is um it's on tubi it's on youtube it's one of those movies that are in the public domain so it's probably on every single streaming service it is a treat of a movie to watch especially if you're into uh, 60s sci-fi but if you're a zombie fan particularly like zombie movie fan you like romero stuff you you like kind of the zombie tropes I think it's a really good movie for you to watch as well because you're going to get a lot of those zombie tropes of human survivors in, in fortifying bases and you get a lot of those tropes before they were zombie tropes. So I think it will be a very interesting watch uh, for particularly those who are in zombie movies. But if you're just a fan of old sci-fi movies in general, you're definitely going to love every minute of Day of the Triffids. And with that, when are going to gonna go into our fringes of the week and this one is eros by versace or versace eros and you're gonna have top notes of mint oil lemon and green apple excuse me top notes yeah middle notes of tonka bean ambroxan and geranium and base notes of vanilla vetiver oak moss and cedarwood now this is actually my first time wearing this i smelled the sample before and one of the things that I, I noticed, and I don't know which came first, probably Eros came first. It smells uh, similar to one of my favorites, and that's Oxford Blue. I looked at the note breakdown. Note breakdowns are very similar, and you're going to find that in Fragrance World, a lot of fragrances smell like other fragrances, similar note breakdowns. One or two things are, are different there. Um, it has really good longevity. I really enjoyed it. And this is an EDT, so it's not a um, eau de parfum like my Oxford Blue. Uh, but the way it breaks down on my skin is, is very different uh, than the Oxford Blue. Uh, the mint oil is, in my opinion, is a much more prominent. Mint oil and the lemon is much more prominent um, with the opening compared to, say, the Oxford Blue, where I get more of the apple and the mint is a bit more subtle. Uh, the middle notes that ambroxan really carries and ambroxan is a, a scent molecule it's it's that molecule that's in uh dior sauvage that people love so much it, it very much opens up your olfactory and, and definitely gets attention and you get that i get that ambroxan note from the middle toward the base so that's the main difference that um Oxley does not have uh the ambroxan note in that uh, as well with the base it's a bit sweeter to me i don't get as much of the um, oak moss or the cedar in the base of the arrows i get more of the I get the lingering notes of ambroxan and also the vetiver and the vanilla so i get a bit of a a grassy sweetness um, on my skin as it dries down again with that ambroxan for me the ambroxan never goes away uh, so that's my take on on that I would say this if you have to choose between the two i would say go with oxford blue um oxford blue is, blue is a more central uh derivative of that formula and there there are a couple other notes that are in oxford blue that are not in Versace eros and i don't remember off the top of my head but eros is, is a good fragrance is a reason why it's it's one that people buy a lot as a top seller but there are alternatives and if you are looking for Versace arrows i would definitely say get oxford blue instead if you can't find um Versace arrows i mean oxford blue get Versace arrows can't go wrong with it but i would say this oxford blue smells different enough 
from Eros that you won't smell like anybody else when Eros. And if you listen to my podcast, you know I have this thing about smelling like other people. Um, not to be bougie, but you want to smell like you. You don't want to smell like the crowd. And with Versace Eros, with it being so popular, a lot of a lot of guys are going to wear it. Especially when you get to the spring summertime, a lot of guys because it's it's, it's designer, it's popular, it's something you can find everywhere. So that's my take on that. Good fragrance. I would just say buy Oxford Blue instead. That's my take on it. So that's my fragrance of the week. And I'm not concluding because I actually have an announcement. We are expanding. Uh, we have partnered with the NRW Nerds Rule the World uh, to produce a new gaming show, a new wake- weekly gaming show called Checkpoints. And this is going to be on YouTube. And we, as in me, are going to be joined by none other than the host of the Talk and Play Blurcast, Brian Saff. So you've heard me talk about that podcast before. So I got this opportunity. Like I called up Brian's like, hey, you want to do this with me? And here we go. So by the time this episode is live, that episode should be live and a link will be in the show notes. It will be a weekly show talking about basically the new games are coming out. We're going to talk about trailers and also what we are playing. So if you're looking for more of what I talk about in the download on a weekly basis, check us out at Checkpoints on New Release Wednesday or the Nerds Rule the World YouTube channel again link will be below so that's it for this episode of the sartorian geek podcast by webster style where we talk about bow ties comic books and everything in between i'm your host webster style the man the voice the fragrance again find us on the web at websterstyle.com a lot of new posts coming out lately so don't miss it also find us on instagram at webster style or sartorian geek find us on twitter at sartorian geek excuse me at Webster Style and also drops the email at info at WebsterStyleMagazine.com Thank you again for your time Thank you again for your ear and remember stay safe out there and be blessed I mean I can change I thought never mind forget it I'm a Jenny Jenny Miffinny Muffinny Finicky when it comes to the killing spree aka that's an ensemble are you the enemy if you're not defending the presence of Millie in the vicinity without a bow tie okay I might have went over the edge besides I really let them close on them legs and thighs need to get strong we can lift them to the sky the party starts to twirl we got a little time 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 to get it on and on fact I'm the type of pussy on and after that take a picture with the I'm choosing what we own. Now it was Tree Green Tuesday. Had to be Bowtie Thursday. Had to be. White Wednesday? Uh, I don't. Well, I know last time. Well, I wore polka dot. You didn't wear. Oh, I million them heels killing them. But I'm sure it's a Thursday. Bowtie Thursday. Pasta cream in your heels looking sharp. They acting like you don't know the rules up in the workplace. Must I remind you it was till on your birthday? Don't get me wrong, I think we killed in the birthdays. And you picked the hell of fit for the church day. Let's say you picked the risk game for it. Now you got the floor filled with bras that you purchase. Pick a color scheme that can match your very corset. Take it off, clothes on the floor, pal, and no one girl should fit it all in them.